Welcome to this exciting series on Proverbs, the voice of wisdom. The book of Proverbs has been read and treasured by millions of believers for hundreds of years. There is so much wisdom to be found in this amazing book. In this series, Pastor Tim Brooks and Paul Kern will be sharing concepts of wisdom that will equip you to share in this life of victory God has for you. Now, join Pastor Tim Brooks for this message on Proverbs, the voice of wisdom. Well, we are studying Proverbs. Uh, We are in Lesson 7. By now, your Bible ought to just fall open to Proverbs. I hope that you are reading a proverb every morning before you leave the house. Um, As we have, we recommend whatever day of the month it is, the 19th of the month or the 20th or the 21st, whatever day of the month it is, read that Read that day of Proverbs before you leave. Um, We've got to get wisdom in our heart. Uh, We're studying Proverbs by looking at different kinds of people and what Proverbs says about each kind of person. And we have seen in the past few weeks the wise, the wicked, the simple, the scorner, the fool, the rich, the poor, the beggar, the thief. In this lesson, I want to look at three more kinds of people that Proverbs teaches us about. And in this lesson seven, we want to look at family, at friends, and neighbors. Proverbs has a whole lot to talk about family, friends, and neighbors. The book of Proverbs is the best manual you're going to find on people skills. Getting along with people is vital for your life. I want, I want all of you to listen to this. You have to get along with people. You've got to work with people. You've got to get along with people. You have to understand people. You've got to be compassionate and sympathetic and patient and kind. You've got to work with people. And it is absolutely vital that you learn to do because, and, and here's what I want you to hear, regardless of what you do. I don't care what it is you do, you're going to have to get along with people and you will have to have people like you to be a success. People have to like you or you will not be successful in life. Here's what I want to tell you. Two befores and two besixes don't pay you any money. Computers don't pay you any money. Roofs, plumbing pipes, Car engines don't pay you any money. They don't seek you out. They don't, a tuba Ford, tuba six, and a pile of plywood does not choose you over your competitor. Regardless of what you do, people have got to like you and they've got to choose you. And you need to know that. You need to know that. Regardless of what you do. And there is nothing that you will do that people in some way shape, form, or fashion are are not involved in that. And because of that, you have to work on your people skills and you have to do it all the time. And for some of us, we've got to work harder on it than others because some of us just naturally are not good at it. Some of us just are natural jerks. You just are. Your personality is obnoxious. You are a jerk. You're an irritant to be around, and those of us with that personality have got to work on being nice because it didn't come natural to you. Some of you who are just naturally nice, I wish I was like you. I've never been accused of being naturally nice. So 
I got to work on that all of the time or I will come across as abrasive, as offensive. I, that I will come across that. So when I come across as abrasive and offensive, then you can know I forgot to work on it at that time. Because if I'm not working on it, I mess up. Proverbs is the best place I know to work on your people skills. The people we've seen so far, once again, wise, the wicked, the simple, the scorner, the fool, the rich, the poor, the beggar, and the thief. We've covered a lot in, these pre, in the previous six sessions. Now, in this seventh lesson, we want to look at family, friends, and neighbors. First of all, let's start off with family. Proverbs identifies your family as husband, wife, parent, children. Husband, wife, parent, children. According to Proverbs, that is family. Now, we have embellished and we've gotten strung out. We got brothers and sisters and cousins and second cousins and third cousins and aunts and great aunts and great uncles. And then we just got friends that we call aunts and uncles who really aren't any aunt or uncle, but we identify. I mean, we, we've got a lot of titles for a lot of people. But as far as Proverbs goes, it teaches that our family, husband, wife, parent, and children, and that's what we got to work on. According to Scripture... God established three human institutions. According to scripture, three human institutions are established by God. The marriage and of course the home, the marriage and the home, that would be the very first institution established in Genesis chapter one and two. I mean, everything else is built on a man and a woman and coming together and joining together as one. The marriage and home, the first institution established by God. God established the local church, Acts chapter 2. There's a lot of places we could talk about or read about that. And God established the local government. Romans chapter 13, scriptures talk about the government being established by God. As we read scripture, the home based on the marriage union, one man and one woman. Now, now always know, always know, that is the very first institution that God established and, and all else is built on it. And it's no wonder that it is so hard to stay married for one man and one woman. It's a hard thing to do to stay married. And it's no wonder that all hell is attacking even the definition of marriage. To, 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 if this building, you don't have to tear all the top and pull all this building apart. All you got to do is jerk the foundation out from under it and the building's going to fall. And, and it, the way the enemy wants to collapse us is to pull out the very foundation. And that is the marriage union. So it's, it's, it's no surprise that it is so hard to get along with your wife. That, that's no surprise that that is a hard thing to do. And it's no surprise that now the enemy is trying to attack even the definition and the understanding of the marriage. Because as the home goes, so goes the church. And as the church goes, so goes the nation. Now, here's what I want to show you. So you don't have to attack the nation. All you got to do is attack the marriage or the home, and you will destroy the nation because everything is built 
on that foundation. And I'm going to encourage you, don't take my word for it. Look at nations worldwide and observe this phenomenon. Look at nations worldwide. Nations, countries that have oppressive homes. You can watch. The church is oppressed and the nation is oppressed. And there's poverty and killing nationwide. So goes the home. So goes the church. So goes the nation. Now you just look. Only in a Christian nation, and you don't have to take my word for it, you look at this. Only in a Christian nation are women held in high esteem. That comes from biblical teaching. Every other nation that does not teach the Bible, women are property. And they're drugged, and they're beat, and they're bought, and they're sold, and they're used, and they're abused. It's only the biblical teaching of the Bible that women have freedoms in a nation. It's God's created order. You just see it. Marriage and home, the church and the nation. And it's very simple to see. Just this in Proverbs, Proverbs 2, 17, the wife is to be faithful to the husband. 5, 15, the husband is to love the wife and be faithful to the wife. Take that right there. Where that is taught, the nation prospers. Where that is not taught, you will have a handful of dictators that are billionaires, but the rest of the nation is in poverty. And you can look at that. The entire nation is in poverty where wives be faithful to your husbands. Husbands, love your wife and be faithful to your wife. Where that is taught, there's prosperity. Where that is not taught, there's chaos and poverty in that nation. Now, there's no way that I can overstate the importance of the husband and wife and its effect on the entire nation's freedom and prosperity. Because only through the strength of the husband and wife do you have the strength of the home, then you have children that are taught. But when children have no mom and dad and are raised on their own, well, just turn on the news at 10 o'clock and you'll see. I mean, you, you'll see what is the result of no parent parenting in the home. So you, you can't control a nation that is headed that way. All right, we got to get started here. If you've never been to a Bible study, you're about to go to one. This is going to be a Bible study, and we're going to look at a lot of scriptures because we're studying the Bible. So I'll just go fast. We can't be here all night but because I got a jillion and two scriptures to look at. So we're going to have to flip quick to get them all in. Uh, let's look at what Proverbs says about uh, husbands and wives and, and the relationship and the importance of it. Chapter 12, verse 4, a worthy wife is a crown for her husband, but a disgraceful woman is like a cancer in his bones. I'd preach on each one of these, but I can't add anything to that. Chapter 14, verse 1. A wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. Chapter 18, verse 22. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure, 
and he receives favor from the Lord. Where the Bible is not taught, you've got men beating their wives, dragging them by the hair. You've got them exchanging them like possessions. You have women that are not allowed to go to school, women that are not allowed to speak. You've got women that have to walk so many feet behind their husband and keep their head face and their bodies covered at all times. You can't even see their, their face. I mean, it, the, it is an unbelievable spiral downward when you don't teach. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure. Man, your wife is a treasure. Chapter 19, verse 13. A foolish child is a calamity to a father. A quarrelsome wife is as annoying as a constant dripping. I'll just move right on. <laughs> Chapter 21, verse 9. <laughs> it's better. I, I'm just reading scripture, okay? Verse 9. It's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. <laughs> My son-in-law, David, all the time, he said, I'm headed to the attic. I'm headed to the attic. <laughs> Chapter 21, verse 19, it's better to live alone in a desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. 27, verse 15, a quarrelsome wife is as annoying as a constant dripping on a rainy day. Stopping her complaints is like trying to stop the wind or trying to hold something with greased hands. I mean, you, you read this and you, and you learn how you're supposed to live and how you're supposed to act. I'm not going to take time. Chapter 31, verse 10 through 31, we could teach for hours and there's been books and books written on chapter 31 of Proverbs. Wives, and it teaches character, trustworthy, more precious than rubies, uh, women work hard. They're business women. I was just reading it before I came out of here, uh, reading it again. And, and it talked about a woman buying property, negotiating and buying real estate, planting crops and making a profit on the crops, uh, uh, real estate crops. And it talked about making merchandise, uh, garments and selling those garments and making a profit. Uh, you, you don't find women doing that in any other country that the Bible is not taught in. So because it is God's order for the way we're supposed to live. The woman walks in wisdom. She oversees her home. She is worthy of praise. She is to fear the Lord. She is a testimony. Her very life is a testimony to the others. The glory of women is taught in chapter 31 of Proverbs. God's institution, the family, husbands, wives, parent-child relationship. And, and people are created very special. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but mankind is the only species on earth that the young stay around 15, 16, 17 years before they move off on their own. For some species when the mother has them, they swim off immediately, immediately at birth, they're on their own. Other species, you're talking five to six months before they are weaned and on their own. And the longest I think I could find was an elephant 
And that is the longest I could find that keeps their young for two years before they go on their own. So for us to keep kids 16, 17 years before it's time for them to start moving on, uh, parents are to teach. There's a reason for that. And children are to learn from their parents. Parents are to parent their children. And that's what establishes a free moral society for us to live in. I, I can't hardly watch the news. We just don't watch it much anymore. I, I can't watch the news with my wife because at every story she's yelling, where is the parents? Oh, where is the mom? Where, where, where's the dad? Uh, that whole shooting or that whole robbing or that whole loot, all of that could have been avoided with a dad. What are you doing? Where's the mom there? Proverbs clearly says, the home is where learning takes place. Here's the problem. Most learning now takes place on the playground, in the locker room, in the back seat of a car, in the back seat of a school bus. Most learning takes place on TV from immoral, ungodly, heathen actors. Most learning now takes place in a schoolroom with a heathen, immoral, ungodly teacher. Sad to say, a lot of our learning takes place in gangs. Gangs have now, in big cities, become the family for kids who just grow up on the streets. And so a gang takes them in and teaches them the protocol of the gang, and here goes their life. It won't work in society because it's not God's order. It's not God's order. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 1. Here we go, a whole list of scriptures. Parent-child relationships. Chapter 1, verse 8. Let's read fast. My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instructions. You don't roll your eyes. You don't sigh. Don't act like your parents are out to get you and are against you. You better listen because it will help you in your life. Listen, sign, rolling your eyes, being upset, acting like you're put out because your old man is chewing on you again. Listen when your father corrects you. Chapter 3, verse 11. Chapter 3, verse 11. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves just... As a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Oh, my old man's chewing on me again. Why would your dad be teaching you? Because he loves you and desires the best for you. Otherwise, he'd just take you out on the street, hand you a suitcase, and say, hit the road. Good grief. He's not chewing on you because he hates you. He's chewing on you because he loves you. Chapter 6, verse 20. My son, obey your father's commands. And don't neglect your mother's instruction. Don't neglect it. Chapter 10, verse 1. A wise child brings joy to a father. A foolish child brings grief to a mother. Don't be foolish. Don't be a fool. Chapter 13, verse 1. A wise child accepts a parent's discipline. A mocker refuses to listen 
to correction. If, if you could ever understand correction is positive, it's not negative. Correction is to benefit you, not hurt you. Chapter 14, verse 26. Those who fear the Lord are secure. He will be a refuge for their children. Chapter 15, verse 20. Sensible children bring joy to their father. Foolish children despise their mother. Chapter 19, verse 18. Discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. Parents, don't be too busy to discipline your children. Discipline your children or you're going to ruin their life. Verse 27. If you stop listening to instruction, my child, you will turn your back on knowledge. Chapter 22, verse 15. A youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it far away. Chapter 23, verse 13. Don't fail to discipline your children. The rod of punishment won't kill them. Physical discipline may well save them from death. My child, if your heart is wise, my own heart will rejoice. Everything in me will celebrate when you speak what is right. Verse 24. The father of godly children has a cause for joy. What a pleasure to have children who are wise. So give your father and mother joy. May she who gave you birth be happy. May she who gave you birth be happy because you are wise and not a fool. And it's time to make some changes in our life. It's time to make some drastic changes in our life. Chapter 27, verse 11. Be wise, my child, and make my heart glad. Then I will be able to answer my critics. Chapter 29, verse 15. What a tragedy when children have to raise themselves. Chapter 29, verse 15. To discipline a child produces wisdom. But a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. Oh, I forgot. Chapter 22, verse 6. Go back. I'm trying to keep these in order. Chapter 22, verse 6. Direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. Some of your translations say raise. Some of your translations say train. You are involved with your children. There is a raising. There is a training. There is a teaching. There is a preparing for life. Kids don't at 16 blow out the candles on their birthday and know how to drive a car. I mean, things don't just happen for kids. They are taught. They are trained. They are disciplined. They are corrected. They are prepared to be successes in life. See, God ordained parents to be older and wiser and more experienced and more mature so that they can impart older, wiser, mature thoughts into a younger, immature child. But we don't gain wisdom from a dad. We roll our eyes and sigh. We go in our room and close the door and put our head in the pillow when 
an older, wiser, more experienced person is trying to impart into our life. Now, here's what's sad. I guess I need to say this. What's sad is many parents are not older and wiser. They act like about two-year-old too. So it's, it's really sad when you've got a, a, a 10-year-old that's more mature than the 30-year-old in the house, but that's for another subject. The importance of family, husbands and wives, parents and children. The church depends on strong families. The nation depends on a strong church. And if you don't believe that, just look at other nations where that is not the norm. Let's move on. We got to hurry. Friends and neighbors. True friendship is based on love because only love endures the test that friendships experience. You'll spend your whole life looking for a perfect friend. I guess unless you're mine, but you, you, you spend your whole life looking for perfect friends. What you do is you find people that you're going to be friends with, and you just, you, it's like a marriage. You, you, you just overlook the weaknesses, and you draw from the strengths. That's what you do. To have friends, that's what you do. Now, if you cut off every friendship that upsets you or you find imperfect or you find that you don't like, you're going to live a very, very lonely life. Chapter 17, verse 17. A friend is always loyal. A friend is always loyal. Are you, so I'm looking for a loyal friend. Well, quit looking for a loyal friend and you be one. Are you a dependable friend? Are you a friend that can others could depend on your friendship? Chapter 18, verse 24. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. And we, we talk about this in here. Whenever you are rightly connected to the body of Christ, you have relationships in the church that are much closer than blood relationships outside the church. You're much closer to friends that you have in the church than you are to even people that you're kin to. Now, you have to be, and, and if, if there was any one single message that I would want to instill in our young people, if there was one message that I'd want to instill in young people is, you got to, you got to choose your friends wisely. Because it's always friends that lead you the wrong way to begin with. I mean, that's what starts a wrong path is getting with a wrong group that's going the wrong way. And wrong friends lead you in the wrong direction. And so the, the, the most important thing you can do in your life is choose the right kind of friends to be around. Are you the right kind of friend to be around? Do you bring those around you closer to the Lord or do you pull them away? Do you pull your group further away from temptation or do you lead your group closer to temptation? Are you a friend that leads in godliness or are you a friend that leads in immorality and ungodliness? So, well, I need to choose friends right. Well, you need to be a friend that is right. Chapter 12, verse 26. Let's look at Scripture. Chapter 12, verse 26. 
What does Proverbs say about friends? The godly give good advice to their friends. The wicked lead them astray. What are you? What are you? Are you godly that gives good advice? Well, God, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd go give him a piece of my mind. I'll tell you, by God, what I'd... Come on. Look here. The godly give good advice to their friends. I'll tell you, she did that to me. I can tell you what I'd do to her. Godly gives good advice. Chapter 13, verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and you're going to get in trouble. There's nothing more I can add to this. Chapter 14, verse 7. Stay away from fools. Stay away from fools. You won't find knowledge on their lips. Chapter 19, verse 4. Wealth makes many friends. Poverty drives them all away. It's just the way it is. Nobody wants to be around somebody that don't ever have anything and is always mooching. They just, look, I can't support you and me too. Wealth makes many friends. Poverty drives them all away. You got to be careful in choosing friends. I'll back up. Chapter 16, verse 29. Chapter 16, verse 29. Violent people mislead their companions, leading them down a harmful path. With narrowed eyes, people plot evil. With a smirk, they plan their mischief. Don't get around violent people. Better be careful. You better be. You you ever heard guilty by association? You might not have done anything, but you don't want to be around violent people. Chapter 22, verse 24. 22, verse 24. Don't befriend angry people. Or associate with hot-tempered people. Or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. That's not who you want to be around. You want to be around somebody that can laugh it off. You don't want to be around hot-tempered people. Chapter 24, verse 21. My child, fear the Lord and the king. Don't associate with rebels. For disaster will hit them suddenly. Who knows what punishment will come from the Lord and the king? Don't associate with rebels. Don't associate with somebody who is a rebel. Chapter 29. No, chapter 27. Chapter 27, verse 10. Never abandon a friend, either yours or your father's. When disaster strikes, you won't have to ask your brother for assistance. It's better to go to a neighbor than to a brother who lives far away. Don't abandon your friends. Don't don't abandon your friends in time of need. Chapter 29, verse 27. The righteous despise the unjust. The wicked despise the godly. How do I choose friends? How do I be a friend? Proverbs gives us a few things here in choosing friends and being a friend. Number one. True friends know how to keep confidence. This is one of the biggest things with friends. Chapter 11, verse 13. Chapter 11, verse 13. 
a gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. You, you, you've got to have a friend that you can confide in. You, you just have to. You need a friend that you can confide in. But whenever your friend goes around gossiping and spreading all of your stuff, that's not a friend. Do not associate and be around somebody that is a gossip. Chapter 16, verse 28. Chapter 16, verse 28. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Chapter 17, verse 9. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. We got to forgive one another's faults. You start dwelling on somebody's faults, it's going to separate close friends. Chapter 20, verse 19. A gossip goes around telling secrets, so don't hang around with chatterers. A lot more scriptures we could read. I need to move on. You're going to be a friend? You've got to keep confidence. you to keep your mouth shut. You've got to be somebody that can be confided in. Chapter 11, verse 9. If you're going to be a friend, you've got to control your tongue. Chapter 11, verse 9. With their words, the godless destroy their friends. With their words, the godless destroy their friends, but knowledge will rescue the righteous. Chapter 11, verse 12. It's foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps quiet. Chapter 24, verse 28. Are you hanging with me? A lot of scriptures here. Chapter 24, verse 28. Don't testify against your neighbors without cause. Don't lie about them. Don't say, now I can pay them back for what they've done to me or I'll get even with them. True friends, true friends control their tongue. They're not gossipers. They keep a confidence. Chapter 27, verse 6. I want to move quickly. True friends are going to tell you the truth. Chapter 27, verse 6. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. You got to have a friend that'll tell you the truth. You got to have a friend that will level with you and be honest with you. And you've got to receive the honesty of a true friend. Chapter 18, verse 19. Chapter 18, verse 19. Never take a true friendship for granted. You don't take a true friendship for granted and think they're going to overlook your nonsense. Chapter 18, verse 19. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. You better guard your friendships. They're few, they're far between, and you want to guard your friendships, and you don't take it for granted. Ah, oh, they'll overlook me, and you just are spewing out a bunch of nonsense all the time. You better watch your words and guard your friendships. Work. Work on your, on your friendships. Work on being your best behavior. Work on being fun to be with. Work on being kind. Work on being polite. You know, there, there's just a level of politeness that, that I, I'm, I'm sad that our generation is missing that there's a level of, pl pl well, let me 
read this before I get. Chapter 25, verse 17. Chapter 25, verse 17. Don't visit your neighbors too often. Are you going to wear out your welcome? Chapter 27, verse 14. A loud and cheerful greeting early in the morning will be taken as a curse. Some of you are not morning people. That's your favorite scripture. You know, I, I watch our young people and I watch them do something that my grandmother would have thrashed me. Uh, there was just a rule. You didn't call anybody on the telephone before 8 o'clock in the morning. You never called anybody after 8 o'clock at night. You, you don't call your best friend and visit with them when it's their supper time with their family. Don't call your best friend and talk for an hour at night when their husband has only been home for 30 minutes. You, you, we don't, we're not considered friendships and relationships. Oh, we're best friends. I realize that. But you, you don't want to take advantage of that. And, and you, you've got to guard friendships. But calling somebody after, I said, calling people at 10, 11 o'clock at night. Well, you just didn't do that at our house. You didn't make a phone call after a certain hour of the night. I don't, well, they get up early. I know they get up early. They do that because they don't want to be bothered. You don't start calling them because you know they're up. They're up so that they can read their Bible, have their prayer time, drink their coffee, get their kids dressed, get their kids lunches, get them all packed, get them off to school. It, you know, there's just a consideration, and it concerns me in this generation that we don't have consideration. And it's not for others. It's consideration for family and friends. It's consideration for best friends. And so you, there's a consideration. And Proverbs talks a lot about that. We, I've got to move on here. But Proverbs has a lot to say. A cheerful greeting too early in the morning. I know you're all happy. It's too early. In Proverbs, we've seen different kinds of people. The wise, the wicked, the simple, the scorner, the fool, the rich, the poor, the beggar, the thief. Now we've talked about family, husbands, wives, parents, and kids. And we've talked about friends. Church, we've got to work on people's skills. We've got to get along. We need to have friends. We need to be a friend. But here's what I want to tell you. Be very careful about choosing friends. Young people, be very, very careful about your associations People, others are very important in life because the bottom line is that's all that life is made up of. That's all that is important in life is your relationships with other people. Family, friends, and neighbors. Y'all stand. Lord, tonight, thank you for not leaving us alone. Thank you for creating other people for us to interact with. Lord, help us. Help us in our relationships. Help us be better friends. Help us be kinder, more thoughtful. Help. Lord, help us. Help us as we establish right relationship with others. Continue to direct us and guide us as we build on the foundational institutions of mankind. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message on Proverbs. CMC has so much to offer. We host men's and women's conferences each year. 
summer camps for all ages, a Christian school K-4 through 12th grade, youth conferences, a college-age internship, and much more. Go to cmchurch.com for more information about all the great things CMC has for you.